As a therapist, the number one thing that I hear constantly is, do you get what you need from the people around you? And if not, why not? That's what boundary means to me is that how is it that you treat yourself? And then how is it then that you allow other people to treat you? Do you have to be in a space where something happens? Something happens and you're pushed into a space and it's mm -hmm. in that moment you have a choice of life isn't working the plan that I had the things that I'm doing what's going on one of the questions I tend to ask is why now why is this so important to you right now so true. and when people dive in and they say well this 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 you can feel that they're ready they're ready to want to go within and you have to be ready to want to look within ultimately we're all navigating life but we navigate from the relationship that we hold with ourselves if I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like I'm not worthy I will behave in that way in the world around me. This is quite... I always feel like, should I share this on, like, live podcasts? But I'm going to. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. If you haven't already, please, 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 can you do me a massive favor and press the subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening or watching to this. Only 4% of you that watch and listen to this podcast are actually following it. And the bigger the show gets, the bigger the guests get and the bigger the experience gets too. Thank you so much for all of your support so far. Let's get into the episode. Lolita. Hiya. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. And, and thank you for traveling for me. all the way from Birmingham today. Not that far. <laughs> well, when the trains are cancelled and it's a Saturday and there's weekend traffic, it is quite far. So I appreciate you coming. Thank you. But for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Lolita. And by training, my name I've just trained as a psychologist. But um, behind that, I think my... My biggest mission in life is to allow people to feel good in themselves, to allow them to just reconnect, not feel anxious, not have the self-doubt, not have the overthinking and just feel at peace with who they are. So that's my my biggest sort of mission yeah. in life. And how did you kind of figure that out and what was your journey in getting there? When people ask me this question, I always just sit back and I think, how, like, how did I actually get here? And I'm just like... <laughs> There's no, there's no story. There's no journey. I think it's just something has, something within me has always guided me into a space where I, I know I've always been a people person. I know that I've always been an empath. I know that I've always picked up on people's emotions, feelings. I've always had that connection. Yeah. And somehow I've ended up in this field. Um, I remember having to choose my subjects at A-level and 
there was a um there was a taster session that we went to for psychology and i went to it and the teacher she was talking about dolphins and she said dolphins they sleep one brain hemisphere at a time otherwise they'll drown and i was like oh my god this is so fascinating and because of that i chose psychology so that wow. ended up taking me down sort of the career path i did and um i actually started with computer science and psychology at university i found out i really did not connect with computer science yeah, i don't know why i chose actually aren't they <laughs> very very different i think at the time i had my options open i was, i yeah. liked i i thought i liked both of them and then i i just stopped computer science and then i restarted in just psychology because i just knew that that was the right thing to do at the time but there's no real path of how i've ended up here i think just there's been experiences that have happened mm-hmm. um reflection moments and then choices and that's how i've ended up here and i can't imagine myself being anywhere else that's amazing but you know as a psychologist a lot of people don't understand you know the role of one so yeah. so what is the role of a psychologist there's so many different roles <laughs> i think it's about how you are as a psychologist and the approach that you take so i'm very holistic in the approach that i take i don't just want someone to fit in a box and say yeah. right okay these are your symptoms this is what you're presenting as you are now depressed and this is what you need to do and as a result of that you need to have cbt therapy or you need to have medication or you need to do this i think for me it's about understanding the person's journey and understanding mm-hmm. what has gone on in their life what has been their path to end up in a space that they're in right now where they may be presenting with certain symptoms mm-hmm. what's going on for them and if you can understand that and take them down that journey to really help them make sense of it it allows them to take their power back and really feel grounded in who they are yeah and or have that sense of peace without worrying overthinking all of these different things that may have happened as a result of things that have gone on so as me as a psychologist that's what i do <laughs> so everyone else has their own view and their own version um but that's sort of my approach of psychology is i understand the human um Uh, sort of subconscious understand their people's beliefs their mm-hmm. values and really go deep diving into what their beliefs are and how that those beliefs are sort of manifesting into their everyday life so if someone has gone through things and they feel like they're not good enough they're not worthy how does that play out in their everyday life where they may be at work they now have this belief that I'm not good enough and mm-hmm. as a result they're trying to seek that validation and because they're trying to seek that validation they might be the yes person at work so they're like yep i'll take that and someone's like oh i can't do this can you do this yeah yeah i'll do that and then at home they're up until midnight struggling to try and get things done because they feel like i i need to do this because they feel that they're not worthy they're not good enough and that they're not important they're trying to seek that validation and it's like no no where where is your worth where's mm. your self respect where's um yeah your worth So that's where I'm just like I want to wake people up to just the power that they have and their worth and their potential and not not that they're limiting themselves in any way because of the beliefs that they hold mm-hmm. from the experiences that they've been through. There's there's a couple of things you mentioned yeah. there. One, one is one is limiting beliefs. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I I think is setting boundaries. Yeah. and knowing your self-worth as well. So all those three things are kind of interlinked and I believe, you know, everyone has limiting beliefs around mm-hmm. themselves. We all do. I have yeah. several around myself and often it stops me from taking action. So really quickly, just as a I know this is much deeper, but really Let's quickly, go. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> 
how, how does somebody get rid of a limiting belief? Because yeah. first you need to acknowledge that you have one, right? So first of all, how do you acknowledge what your limiting belief is? And then how do you tackle that? So when we talk about limiting beliefs, it's a belief that you have that you may not be good enough. So it keeps you in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So what I, I mean by that is that you are feeling that if I come out of this comfort zone because I'm not good enough, I don't want to feel the feeling of rejection or abandonment or something. There's a painful feeling that's going to happen mm -hmm. if I leave here. So people may have a belief that I'm not good enough. It doesn't mean that that's the only belief they have. Mm -hmm. There's other beliefs that you have, but that's the louder one. So it's not saying, how do I get rid of it? Because there's a reason, there's an experience, there's something that's um, gone on in your life that's created that belief because of the assumption that you may have had. So say if we give an example of, I don't know, Carl. Carl has... Um, he's grown up in a household where he is a very sensitive individual. Mm -hmm. And um, when he is upset, he may start crying. And mom and dad now have said, look, boys don't cry. You shouldn't cry. Um, stop crying. And I'll give you this instead. So now he may have learned that it's not okay for me to show this sensitivity because I'm not mm -hmm. being held in the way that I need to be. And it's not blaming mm -hmm. mom and dad. It's not saying, right, mom and dad were, were not good enough as parents. It's trying to understand Carl's journey through life. So he may now have learned that I'm not good enough. So as a result, he's put that sensitivity to the back of him and he's presenting as, Yep, I'm I'm sort of like this person who's really tough and I'm I can take anything. Mm -hmm. But actually there's a sensitivity side, but they're not he's not showing that because he feels that's not accepted. So he now might carry on through life feeling that I need to give people what they want because if I don't, then I'm not gonna be accepted. And as humans, we want this sense of belonging. That's a yeah. human need that we have. We want this sense of belonging, especially when we go back and look at our attachment figures, they are very powerful. Research has shown how powerful they can influence our lives in so many different ways. So if we think of Carl then, he now has a belief that I'm not good enough because mm -hmm. I'm too sensitive, I'm too much. And as a result, he's showing what he feels he needs to show. So how does he change that? How does he change this belief that I'm too much, I'm not good enough? Because as he progresses in life, that's the way he's presenting in all aspects of life with his friends, with career, and he's not being his authentic self because mm -hmm. he, fear, he fears uh, what's going to happen if I show that side again. So in order to get into that space, it's really just trying to reflect on, okay, am I really staying in this comfort space? Am I really staying in this space because I, f I worry and I fear what people are going to be thinking of me? Mm -hmm. Am I being true to myself in who I am because I feel like I am sensitive? I want to get upset. I want to do these things, but I'm stopping myself because mm -hmm. of the worry that you have of how people or what people are going to be thinking of you. So it's really doing deep inner work to try and make sense of, are you really staying in fear? And when we think of fear, fear is is trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you safe. Yes. Because now when Carl was showing the sensitive side, he, he felt rejected. He felt like he wasn't good enough. He felt that um, he was too much. Those are really difficult painful things to feel rather than feeling the validation of oh okay if I stop crying mom and dad will accept me so now he's learned that I don't want to feel these emotions so the, this is the way the brain tries to protect us and I and right. I do that because ultimately it's trying to look after us but it's it's irrational in how it's trying to protect us because it keeps us in a space and it doesn't allow us then to go out because we're worried but if I do show this side then I'm going to feel that feeling of, look at their face. They didn't like that. They, they, mm. They're thinking this of me. They're thinking this. And then you go deeper and deeper into your own stories that you're creating in your head, thinking they think I'm too much. They think this. Why are they being like this? Yeah. And it's where the sensitivity comes in. So 
Yeah. So what you're describing there, yeah. essentially, though, is quite, you have to have a lot of self-awareness to recognize that. Because mm. I'm sure there are a lot of people who go about their day-to-day lives not diving that deep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, what you've just described is he's recognized Carl, this superficial person, by the way, this is not a patient. <laughs> yeah. But this person has recognized that, okay, I'm. am I staying outside of my comfort zone? Am I sensitive? But a lot of people, this is years and years and years of conditioning. Mm. So these are subconscious limiting beliefs that are impacting our temper, our mood, our reactions. You have to have a lot of self-awareness to understand that deeper journey though. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that because it's very easy to avoid problems and incredibly hard to face them. Yep. So how does that kind of journey begin for a lot of people? I'm smiling when you're talking there because for me, I think it's you have to be in a space where something happens. Something mm-hmm. happens and you're pushed into a space because otherwise you're just going along your life yeah. and it's like, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then something happens. And it's mm-hmm. in that moment you have a choice of you reflection, self-reflection, because you're just like, life isn't working, the plan that I had, the things that I'm doing, what's going on, and you're smiling, mm-hmm. what's going on here, what's happening and then that's when you have to really go inwards to be like, what what's going on here? And sometimes people won't go inwards there until something else happens or something else happens. So for me, I think it's about you have to be ready to want to look within and mm-hmm. something has gone on in your life. And it's not, a, it has to be a big thing. It could just be that something has gone on at work or someone's treated you in a different way. And as a result, it's made you reflect on life in a very different way. And yeah. that's where then you go inwards to try and make sense of, well, hang on, what is this about for me? What's going on for me? Because even in the therapy space, people may come into therapy and I've had it where people come into therapy and they may have one, two sessions and it's just not, they're not ready. They're not ready and it's um, there's a, it's overwhelming, there's a lot going on, wow. and they may go back and think, actually, I'm not ready to do this. Whereas you have people that come in, and, and one of the questions I tend to ask is, why now? Why now? Mm. What, what, why is this so important to you right now? So true. And when people dive in and they say, well, this, 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 it just, you can feel that they're ready. They're ready to want to go within, and you're holding that space for them. You're holding a space to allow them to feel safe, allow them to really dive deep within. And they have been in situations where they may not have had a space like that, where they have Mm -hmm. felt safe enough with you. So it's a real privilege to make sure that you've got this space where they feel okay. And if you notice that something's not okay or something's going on, you also have the power to be able to say, look, what's going on here? Whereas in Mm -hmm. the real world, we don't do this. So if you ask your friends, oh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But you know that they're not fine, but you're just like, okay, Maybe, too uncomfortable yeah. yeah you don't want to avoid it you know I, I I completely agree with you because yeah. I think a lot of the time well from my own experience when I went to therapy it was when I was had enough I had enough to speaking to my friends I had mm. enough speaking to my family and I could feel that I was draining their energy talking about the same thing over and over again and the justification I needed to make my decision was I need to speak to an external person yeah and then see what they tell me. But of course, the therapist is never going to tell you to make a decision. However, they unlock something within yourself that allows you to then feel safe and allows you to then feel strong in making a decision that you already know you need to make. Yeah. And so I found you're completely right that at a point where something has happened and you're thinking, now what? Mm. What do I do? Yeah. That's when you almost go to therapy. But something you touched upon there, which I think is really powerful, is this idea around self-fulfilling prophecies. Now, you know, I learned about this kind of idea when I was studying and I remember being so fascinated by it because it's so obvious how many of us have self-fulfilling prophecies about ourselves mm-hmm. and they can come about in so many forms because if you're nervous about going to a party and you're thinking that person didn't really want to invite me, but I'm just going to go and I'm not cool enough or I'm not good enough to be here mm-hmm. and you go there 
and someone, the host says hello, and then someone else comes in and they just cut you off and they go and say hello, automatically your self-fulfilling prophecy will say, I knew they didn't want me to come. They didn't want me here. Why did I come? Yeah. I'm not good enough to be here. However, the reality of the situation is they said hello to you and they're the host of the party and so they have to greet all of the guests and so when a new person comes in, they have to say hello. Yeah. But it's really hard to distinguish that as somebody who feels insecure. Mm -hmm. And we all have our own insecurities. So how how do you advise people to zoom out of those situations and look at things holistically? So the first thing is for me, awareness. Awareness of these are my um, limiting beliefs that I have. These are the limiting beliefs that I hold. And as, as you mentioned, we all have them. We all, there's all situations, there's days where you do have bad days, you wake up and you think, oh, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And you, you bring yourself back out because by challenging these thoughts, mm -hmm. by challenging and it's understanding. So if you know, okay, today's been a bad day. I know that there's this, this, this that has happened in my day right now. This is why I'm feeling like this. Um, so you've got some sort of understanding now of why you're feeling this way. So if you're feeling a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more sensitive than you normally are, and you know you're going to go to this party, it's just being aware of that. Yeah. So then when you're there and you notice that, why did they look at me like that? Or why did they just say that? Or why, why is this? You've got these thoughts now. You already know that, oh, I don't really feel... Listen to your energy, listen to what's going on, listen to how you're feeling and really work on, okay, why do I feel this about this person? So mm -hmm. I feel like this person doesn't really want to invite me. What's my relationship there? And it's not that they're doing something, it's that they're something that they, or how they're behaving is bringing something up for you. So if you have a space to journal, reflect, talk to another friend that you feel safe talking to and try and understand that, what is it about this person and the way that they're behaving that's bringing something up? So you're taking accountability of what's going on for you rather than saying, they're making me feel like this. Yes. They don't want me there. It's you owning what's going on in my inner world. And if you really work on that inner world and make sense of it, it makes you stronger. And you then now know how to navigate your sensitivity mm -hmm. towards the world around you because you're understanding this person's doing this. I'm sensitive about this. So how am I now going to navigate? Do I then yes. fall into I'm not going to bother talking now? I'm not going to bother doing this. Or are you going to sit with it and challenge it and work with it and talk to that sensitivity and make friends with the sensitivity because it's allowing you to, it's guiding you to connect with the world around you. So true because, you know, even in that example, if you feel in that moment that the host has gone away and they've cut you off, yeah. what's your reaction going to be? You're going to be closed. You're going to feel frustrated. Yeah. And then the host naturally is not going to gravitate towards you. And so that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. It's coming true. So it's, it's really actually quite, it, that blew my mind when I heard about it because I remember thinking, that is so true. So many of us do that subconsciously and we, we, we don't know. And having that awareness is really key. And that's why reflection for me is the greatest life skill I ever learned a few years ago because I believe it really allows you to tap into your emotions, your reactions and see what triggers you. Now, I always say this as well, you know, if you're seeing someone do well and you're feeling jealous, tap into that emotion yeah, yeah, yeah. and realize, okay, and accept I'm feeling jealous. Yeah. It's okay. It's worse to think, well, I don't want that anyway. I don't care. They're not good enough. Because all you're then doing is not taking power of the situation. Yeah. You hating on someone is never going to change their success. But you owning the fact that you feel jealous yeah. and then saying to yourself, okay, I feel jealous. Why? Because I want these things. Mm. Okay, so how can I get them? But Take it's also, that power. I wonder if it's like people, they struggle with accepting I'm jealous. Like they, they, they really do. struggle to own this 
a feeling that feels quite negative so people will say exactly i don't i'm not jealous i'm yeah. not this i'm not i'm not sensitive i'm not like that. and i'm people like so defensive yeah, about it yeah. yeah so it's like what's going on for you to admit and take is it about the shame is it around how people are going to view you is it about this perfectionist sort of view that you need to give to the world to show that you are good enough and look at me i'm i'm this and i'm this and this which is what people can do so it's trying to also understand that and really working on how is it that you then entertain or you you become in the world when you're feeling certain things around your friends, around people. What's going on for you? It's fascinating. Honestly, I think I think if you, it is fascinating. I wish I did yeah. psychology or something like that. Still, now it's but, never too late. No, but you know, it's something you touched on there is is around shame, and I think mm. a lot of people can kind of turn inwards yeah. when they're feeling shameful or they're feeling upset or they're feeling embarrassed. And it's no it's no shock horror when I say this that you know loneliness is one of the biggest mm. epidemics across the world not not just in the UK but but in the world and you know you increase you increase the risk of death by twenty six percent and it was affecting two point six million people in twenty twenty two and in twenty twenty three it was three point three million are all these people are saying they feel lonely mm. so three point three million people now say they're feeling lonely yeah which is horrendous. How do we tackle that? What advice do you give for people that are feeling lonely? Because a lot of people message me and, and say as well, I I'm all by myself. I don't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. My friends don't want to listen. I don't speak to my family. I can't afford therapy. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Yeah. So when, when I hear around loneliness, for me, it's a disconnection from the people that you want to connect with. It's this deep connection. It's this deep desire that you want to connect with someone in a way. And often people will have surface level people and they'll keep people there because they feel like it, there's people there. But I, I think this is about going inwards as well and really sitting with your loneliness and trying to understand what is it that, what, what's your, what are your human needs? What is it that um, gives you some sort of connection with someone? Because for one person, it might be that, okay, I want to be able to um, talk about my emotions and talk about things where someone else might be like, no, I just want to go out for a drink and just chill out mm -hmm. and relax. And so I think it's about really going inwards, understanding what it is and asking yourself, the people around you, do you get what you need from the people around you? And if not, why not? And how are you now going to, is, is there any way that you can now go to start going to new places, meet new people? And when I say or suggest this in therapy to people, people will be like, yeah, but no one wants to meet new people. I'm at that age. And exactly. No, and it's like, that's a limiting belief that's stopping you. Oh, really? From going. Yeah. Like there's so many people out there that want to meet new people and they'll go on Eventbrite. They'll, they'll want to just connect with new people doing different things. So you can go to like a pottery class, you can go to yoga, you can, and people do want to meet new people there. Like people mm. will just go to a coffee shop because they want to break from work-life balance. And they're like, I just need to go and sit in a coffee shop. And you can feel like sometimes when I'm sitting in a coffee shop, I can feel that someone wants to talk because of the way that they're, they're, they're trying to sort of like engage. And you're yeah. just like, okay, you don't know what's going on for someone. You don't know what their story is. So it is, it's never too late to meet new friends. It's never too late to connect with new people. And if you hold that, again, it becomes that sort of like labeling theory where you're like, yeah, but people don't want to meet new people. So you're out in a in a social setting and you're like, yeah, but people don't want to meet new people. So you're, you're, you you're literally closed. have these like sort of rose tinted glasses on where you're just like, but no one wants to be my friend. No one wants to be my friend. And it's like, it's stopping you. It's stopping you from meeting new people, which is what you want. So when we think of, loneliness it is about going inwards it's not just holding on to anyone who's around you it's really going inwards making sense of what your needs are mm -hmm. um, in people how you want to connect with people what connection means to you because it means something different to everyone and then um, trying to understand how do I get this how do I get this in in the life because not in the life but in <laughs> life um, because there's so many opportunities out there of ways of meeting new people 
It's it's funny you say that because I was going to ask you that. You know, a lot of people talk around when they get older, they let go of friends. Yeah. Because, you know, their, their priorities change. They change as people. Mm. But actually finding new people that align with you. A lot of people ask me, okay, when I talk around how important it is to have a good circle around you and how important it is to have the right people to feed that positive voice. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, I don't have any positive people around me. So how do I meet new people? Mm. It's impossible. Yeah. But you've just recognized that that's a limiting belief. I never thought about it that way, yeah. which is so powerful. But, you know, a lot of the time when people speak around loneliness, it is to do with relationships. Yeah. Either they feel lonely in a relationship or they feel lonely because they've just broken up with someone. And, you know, now, you know, the older you get, people see it as another limiting belief. It's harder to meet people. Is it? I don't know. I, I mean, this is this, what I, this is what I mean. It's a limiting belief, right? Because mm. there's loads of people that can meet people above 40, 50, 60, whenever you want. But like you've just said, it is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So how would mm. somebody tackle that first move? Because essentially, let's say I've broken up with someone and I'm, let's just say I'm 35 and I've broken up with someone and I'm feeling, okay, I'm 35 now. Mm-hmm. How am I going to meet someone? Because as a woman, I probably, I'm going to want to meet somebody. What if they want to have children? Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? But look, when you're saying that, in my head, it's like, right, there's all these like, what ifs, what if, what yeah. if, what if, what if. And that can feel like it's it, it can become a block because it becomes, that's too much. It's too much energy. I've got mm. all this going on. Like, I don't I don't want to give my energy there. And sometimes like I've spoken to people um, in, in spaces, in therapy, out of therapy, where people are like, oh, but I don't know if this is the right person for me, but I'm going to stay here anyway because I feel like it, the dating game is really like, it's too much energy. Or it's like, oh, but I know that these friends, I know that they're not good for me but where am I going to meet new friends so people stay in comfort they stay where they feel safe but it's also I wonder if it's about energy management so it's like when you start thinking what if what if you then create these scenarios that how am I going to meet someone I don't know there's nothing there there's not what about this and what about this and then we end up putting ourselves off because we're just like that's too much I'll just stay here it's easier here and it's like but is it really easier there and what is it that you really want out of life so it's really having a little word with yourself a sit down moment I call it (laughs) where you have a little sit down moment and you say right what is it that you actually want what is it that you're aiming for and is this really fulfilling and also with our interpersonal relationships, when you're heading into self-awareness and you grow in self-awareness, your relationships are already formed. So when you start developing self-awareness, you may feel that I want to be more vulnerable. But because you're, the dynamics of that relationship may already be formed, you may struggle because you worry about, I can't be that though with that person. I've never had that. I've always been the, the therapist or I've always been the one who's taken on everyone's problem. How am I going to talk about what's going on for me? So it's also about trying to, again, break down that sort of block where you think, hang on, I've got these friends around me. How is it that I can go deeper with them? And maybe I test that. Maybe I ask or I say something about me and start sharing more about me. But if you've never done that in them dynamics, it can feel uncomfortable. But it's not saying that that uncomfortableness doesn't mean that you can't go deep with them friends around Mm -hmm. you. So it's like, it's starting to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to feel safe, to feel grounded within yourself and being okay to share things that you feel comfortable sharing. But it's all around communication, right? And and, and a lot of people struggle with that. I mean, I, I, I communicate my feelings a bit too much. I think I'm an over-communicator. But there are people who will say, how do I have that conversation? How do I, with my friend for 15 years, and you know, you know, when you're talking about relationships, it's easy to always focus on romantic. Yeah. But you've just touched on interpersonal relationships, which are really important. And like you just said, as you're growing and you're changing, how would someone approach a conversation with someone who they've been best friends with for 15 years? Let's just talk about two men in this example, because yeah. someone has told me this. They feel uncomfortable around sharing their feelings with their friend. 
where they've never had this relationship before and one of the men is on a self-development journey mm -hmm. and the other isn't. How, yeah. how would they go about that? So I think it's about, first of all, asking yourself, there's two men, one's trying to understand themselves more on deep dive. If the other person's not available emotionally because they're not on that journey, you can't force that person either. So mm -hmm. if you can, you can start having conversations and you can say, so imagine it's me and you now, two men here yeah, we're having a conversation and I'm like oh guess what I've, I've learned this about um, myself and I've understood this if I see that you're blocked off I can also ask the question rather than assuming you're not interested you're not bothered you know what when I'm talking about this does this interest you does this feel like it's something that you're interested in so you can ask the question why is it that we have to like sit and think oh god yes. they're not interested and I'm assuming things in my head why can't I not ask the question in a loving caring way mm. saying hang on, do you find this interesting? Shall I carry on or shall I just not? Like, is it something that you're interested in? So I'm just clarifying with you whether where we're at and what's going on. And again, self-fulfilling prophecy. If you go into the conversation thinking he's absolutely not interested, yeah. I've never had this relationship with him, he's never going to be open to me. Let's say, for example, he's like, like staring at a fly or I don't know, staring at something. You're going to think, he doesn't like it. I'm never going to speak to him about it again. But he could just be distracted with a problem yeah. of his own. Yeah. So it's really powerful, actually. I think the theme underneath all of it is that limiting belief that we have. It almost manifests itself into life. Yeah. And if we don't address it, we're never able to solve it. Yeah. And also, like, in that situation, it might be that it's too much for that person. They're not ready to face yeah. their shadows or what's going on within themselves. And it's not then you thinking they're not interested in me. It's you respecting where they're at in their life on their journey so they may not be ready to want to delve in and you're all excited because you know like oh my god this and this has changed for me and this and you're excited you want to take them with you but yes. this is where you have to honor where they are at and honor the, the boundary of I can't force them to want to come with me and there is a sadness with that there's a there is a feeling of but you look at how amazing this is like yeah. this is so beautiful what are you doing mm. but you need to also just be like okay I can't force them I can show them you can take a horse to water but you can't make the horse drink the water boundaries are are a topic that have kind of weaved its way through this whole podcast and it's difficult to set boundaries because you feel uncomfortable to tell someone something doesn't work for you when it works for them mm. or vice versa how do you set boundaries boundaries is when we think of boundaries, it's all about, for me, the relationship that you have with yourself. So if you are someone who is, for example, someone who's always available. So mm. no matter what, you will be available. People learn you're available. And where's the respect that then that people will get from you? And you might think, well, I'm someone who likes to give anyway. I like to be available. I like to support people. I like to help people. But then when you want something or when then they're calling you when you're busy, you can then start to feel resentful and feel really frustrated. Like, why Why do they not Why do they not understand that I'm busy? Why, why this? And again, it's a story that you're telling yourself, but you haven't told them that yes. I'm doing this or I'm doing this. So they don't know. So for them, they've always seen the relationship as every time I knock, you open the door. Every time I knock, you open the door. Mm -hmm. So they learn, you're smiling again. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? Um, but every time they knock, it's like, okay, what what is it that they are learning or how do they learn to treat you so that's what boundary means to me is that how is it that you treat yourself and then how is it then that you allow other people to treat you so if for example you are feeling guilty because you someone's knocking on your door and you are like but I've got this to do I've got this to do I've got this to do now you're feeling guilty mm -hmm. it's about again um, how is it that you regulate the guilt what is the guilt saying 
So it's trying to make friends with the guilt rather than thinking, I'd better just do it and it doesn't matter. I'll just stay awake till 12 and I'll do this and I'll do this to try and fit everything in. Because where is it that, how are you helping yourself? How are you regulating your guilt? How are you growing as an individual? Because you're all you're doing is helping them to help your guilt. Does that make sense? It does, but asking for a friend and not for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you regulate guilt? I feel it all the time. You feel guilt all the time? All the time. Okay. If I set a boundary, yeah. and you know, I, I say this about boundaries, you know, no one is a mind reader mm. when it comes to boundaries. And no one has the power to read your mind, but everyone has the power to communicate. Mm -hmm. And so when you communicate something, you've let the other person know. However, sometimes that other person feels like you're being unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. This, is, this isn't a personal example. I'm just talking about an example. Let's say if I have my house mm -hmm. and I don't want my parents to come over every single day. Okay, but my parents love me. The, the place they're coming from is love. Or my in-laws or whatever. Let's just talk about it from a problem that people face. And they, they're coming from a place of love. Mm -hmm. But you feel that you want your personal space. You've communicated to them that you're a 40-year-old woman. And you don't want them to come over every single day and drop you food. And that you can cook for yourself and you can clean for yourself, whatever it is. But they're, they're seeing it as rejection. Mm -hmm. But you've communicated to them. You've said to them, look, I understand you're doing out of love. I just want my own independence. How, how do you manage that? Because a lot of people in that situation that are transitioning from one way of working with their parents. I say way of working. God, I'm just, one, one relationship. <laughs> yeah. It's not a corporate job. <laughs> but, you know, one, one, one way of life, I guess, that they've had for so many years and they haven't set a boundary to now setting a boundary and it's still not being met. Mm -hmm. They're going to face guilt. Yeah. And I, I face that a lot through my life, but not with that example, but with other ones. It is, uh, this is, I'm, I'm smiling when you're talking there because I, I hear a lot of people ask a very similar thing. And I wonder if it's a generational thing where there is a generation where they, they feel that I'm going to go dro just drop your food and that's okay. And um, you're there thinking, well, I just want my space. I don't want you to come around. I want to be in my PJs. I want to mm -hmm. just chill out. I don't, I don't need food. I want to make my own food. And it's like, how do you then navigate that and yeah. navigate your guilt? So if you've said no to them and then you feel like, oh, but I feel really bad because they do love me. They, they do. Yes. And then what you end up doing is you open the door again. So exactly. they learn oh, okay, it's fine, Like I'll, I'll, I'll come back and I'll open the door. But you've done it out of guilt. Yes. And the guilt is saying, I'm a bad person. Yes. I'm a bad person because I haven't let them come over and drop me the food and actually they're doing it out of love. So you've just convinced yourself you're a bad person. This is me. So <laughs> Not the food example, by the way, because I don't live out. But I, this is me in, in so many different avenues because yeah. I'm thinking... I always think about intention. And, and you'll see if you listen to my podcast, I speak a lot about intention. Yeah. And if the intention of someone is pure, I see myself as difficult. Mm. Or I see myself as someone who, you know, is being, I don't know exactly what you're saying in terms of I'm a bad person because they're doing something out of love and I'm rejecting it. But it's then difficult to break away from anyone. Mm. It's difficult to feel that independence. Because I'm trying to um, think of like, say, for example, if your friend has said, look, let's go out for... Um, dinner and you've said no to her because you've got you're, you're busy or you just want to chill out yeah. that day yeah would you feel bad in a situation yes. like that okay so in a situation like that you then end up going but then mm -hmm. when you're going you can end up, end up feeling resentful or feeling frustrated because then you have to you know you're going to come home and are you fully available in that situation mm -hmm. or are you thinking you're there and then she's talking about a situation that's going on in her life and you're sitting there thinking oh god I need to do this I need to do this so are you fully <laughs> yeah. engaged there no are you fully Not available present. yeah and this is about you looking after yourself and looking after what your needs are and of course you care about your parents your in-laws you, you care about your family and you want to make sure that they're happy but it's also identifying what are your 
needs, what's important in your life. And yeah, you want to find that right balance and also explaining to your um, to your parents, your family that this is what's going on for me. This is what I need. And they may find it initially. They may find, oh, and you may see that, oh, and think, they don't like me. They don't love me. They think I'm a bad person. They think that this, they're only doing it out of love. And can you see again, we're running off with our own thoughts. Yeah. And how then do we step back and regulate the guilt? And it's difficult. But the, more, but the more you do it, the stronger you become, the more grounded you become within yourself. And it's about you feeling that I am not a bad person. Yeah. I've said no because I need this time out. I need to be able to look after myself. And I know actually if I do take this, I'm going to feel annoyed. I'm going to feel frustrated. And I'm just going to keep ending up in the same cycle. So it's having a little quiet word with yourself. And also, you know, we've talked we've talked about guilt, but there's also this element that's so tied in with setting boundaries and it's feeling selfish. Yeah. A lot of people feel selfish because like you've just said, it's about taking time for you. Mm. What do you want? How do you manage that? Again, this is um, it's, it's this is a really powerful topic because ultimately we're all navigating life, but we navigate from the relationship that we hold with ourselves. So I, if I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like I'm not worthy, I will behave in that way in the world around me. So if, for example, I and it, it, I, I want to use the word self love, but I think a lot of people switch off when they hear the word self-love because they think, oh God, here we go again. But self-love is a, it's about the relationship that you hold with yourself. So when you're, um, say if you're dating, say if you're um, with your partner or if you're with your family, you develop a relationship where you love them for who they are. You appreciate all aspects of them. There's going to be times where you're annoyed with them and you still love them. But do you do the same with yourself? Mm -hmm. And if not, it's being able to identify if you don't, how do you develop that? How do you develop a better relationship with self? And is that also communicating and regulating your emotions more? Not trying to get rid of them, not trying yeah. to remove them, but really just stepping into the space of, if I really struggle to put myself first, why is that? So when you start going backwards in life and start going back into, and I know it's a typical sort of stigma of here goes the psychologist talking about childhood but it is it goes back into how did you learn to or how are you conditioned in the world around you are you someone who learned that um, as a female or as um, a child you always had to put everyone else first everyone else first and again you've become sensitive to that so as soon as you see someone who is upset or someone who's annoyed or someone who's angry you learn now that oh my God, they're angry. I need to, I'll just do it because you struggle with putting yourself first because you've never been able to do it. So it's a, it's like learning a new language, mm -hmm. putting yourself first. It's like, but I feel the guilt. I feel bad. I feel like this. I feel like, and it's, it's being gentle with yourself, being compassionate with yourself and really sitting with yourself to understand, okay, if I feel guilt, let me try and talk to my guilt. So see your yeah. guilt as a little character. Um, like Inside Out. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I love that movie. It's beautiful, isn't it? And seeing your I little character. I love it. <laughs> it's so good because, yeah, it shows different parts for emotions and how they're tackling each other. Yeah. And, you know, we all have different voices within our heads. Mm. You know, we all have one voice that's telling us to go for it. Be amazing. You're going to do great. And the other voice is holding us back. So which Office. one are you going to listen to and why? Mm. What's your intention? Mm -hmm. And why are you going to choose to listen to this? Why is that important? And if it's something stopping you, it's your emotions. Your emotions yeah. are the glue to how you see the world around you. So mm -hmm. if you're feeling fearful, that's how you're going to see the world around you. If you're feeling angry, that's how you're going to see the world. That's how you're going to keep interpreting things around you. If you're feeling shame, guilt, um, embarrassment, that's how you're going to keep seeing. If you're coming from a place of I'm not good enough, that's how you're going to see. So I'm... Yeah gone into a coffee shop, I'm in the queue, someone's gone in front of me, I'm like, oh, okay, they didn't see me, I'm not good at, I don't have the voice yeah. to speak out. And that's again, a common thing is when you put your needs first, sometimes it's 
you you've never used your voice you've never been able to voice out so when you you may feel that but I've said to my friend I didn't like that but she's still doing it you may have said it quietly you may have said it um and it's like but it's a big deal for you it's yeah. a big deal that you've just said I don't like it when you say that but they've continued to do it. and it's like yeah but see they don't respect me they don't get and it's like how are we using our voice and really expressing ourselves and getting stronger and stronger within ourselves and not just thinking they didn't listen to me that means see see it's I'm not good enough they don't care it's like no how do I enforce and it's about the self-love the self-respect that you have for yourself and it's a journey it's not it that by tomorrow now that I understand and I've got this awareness I'm gonna do this it's like every day there's gonna be things in the world around you that bring up things for you I don't want to mm -hmm. use the word trigger it brings things up for you so when you when you feel things notice them and you've got a toolbox you go delve into your toolbox you start understanding okay let me make sense of like reflection journaling talking to a friend therapy whatever it might be in your toolbox really understand what's going on what is this bringing up for me so you're yeah. in tune with your inner world versus the external world the external world is bringing things up for your internal world and then in the internal world you're making sense of it to then communicate back into the external world so true i mean affirmations are such a key part of my life yeah and you know you have to reflect first understand where you are and yeah. then you reset the affirmations and that is when i designed a performance planner it wasn't just about your performance at work it's about your performance in your mind mm. because it all encapsulates your overall performance and that's why both of those things are in there for me to know every single day so when i want to rewire a thought i'm having i know i've got space to write down affirmations but you just said something which I I want to ask you about okay go for it you said you don't use the word trigger yeah why I think when we use the word trigger from my experience people will see it as negative they see it as like oh my god I'm triggered there's something wrong with me and it's like no we all have feelings that we feel we all notice things that come up for us so for me I'm just trying to change the way that we see our feelings and notice our feelings and I know that there's a lot out there there's so much on social media and things like that and it's trying to understand what is coming up within you it's not a bad thing emotions are not bad and often it's the relationship that we hold with ourselves mm -hmm. and with our ultimately with our emotions our thoughts our but it's also the people that have told you that your whole life everyone has always told me I'm too sensitive and I'm like maybe you're not sensitive enough you know but people have always told me for so long you know you take things personally and and I used to as a child but that's because I have always been quite empathetic mm. and so when someone would feel upset I would feel really bad and then I would hold that with me mm. and when I started this podcast I remember someone saying you know how do you cope because you are someone who would like if someone tells me something really bad and I've had really tough conversations on this podcast sometimes for a few days I feel really upset and I think mm. oh my gosh and I've learned to have I've, I've had to learn to manage those emotions but there are a lot of people who will say well I'm too sensitive so I should just hide my emotions yeah what would you say to someone who says that to you as a therapist the number one thing that I hear constantly is people struggling because of what other people have told them Yes. Because of what other people have said to them. So other people have said, you're too sensitive, you're too much, you're this, you're this, you're this. And again, as a child, all you want is love. All you're seeking is that safety, that security. So you will do anything to try and fit in, to try and be what you feel is good or is okay for you to then get, receive that love, whatever or however that love comes about. If that's pieces, if that's um, um, unconditional, however it might be. But ultimately you then develop a sense of self that is created by what you think you need to be in the world. So then you feel I'm too sensitive, but there's a, as you progress through life, 
you're disconnected. You're disconnected from who you truly are. And to become more authentic, it's you stepping into that sensitivity. Yes. So I know that even when I've gone into therapy and I've spoken about myself for a long time, I could not admit that I'm sensitive. I, I found it difficult because I was really? like, but it's so negative. I don't want to be sensitive. And then the more I've delved into myself, the more I've gone into myself, I'm like, you know what? I embrace my sensitivity. So just like so you now, cool. when you said... Um, when people have said to you, um, oh, yeah, well, I, you're maybe you're not sensitive enough. Now we have the ability to say that. But as a child, you didn't. As a child, so you did not understand that. So you were sensitive. You're connected to the world. You're, you may be seeing and perceiving the world very differently to how other people are. And they don't know that. They don't understand that. So they've said to you, look, just stop crying because you may be crying at a very inappropriate time where you're out and about and mom and dad just like look stop but you, it's the way again we've interpreted it the way we perceived it so when we do inner child work and we go back into the beliefs of the child self it really helps you to identify your child version of how you've perceived and the views and the values that you now hold and the beliefs you have of the world others and of yourself versus where you are now where you're like no actually I am sensitive and there's nothing wrong with that so and true. owning that so when you're in situations things that when I say things might be um sort of like bringing themselves up is that from your child self where you've now said to me oh Lalita you you keep talking can you just stop and instantly my inner child is like you're too much you're a bad person and then my adult self is like no Lalita you're allowed to talk you haven't said anything wrong she's finally just saying this because of this so it's like that self-talk you're having with that, that with, with the the version of you inside of you and what's being this is like a free therapy session for both of us isn't it it's like a live therapy session we should do that <laughs> we, um, maybe not but you know something that you you've just said I remember happened for me in therapy as well so I remember speaking to my therapist around rejection yeah and self-love and you're right because I remember saying to him I never feel rejected hmm. I've never felt rejection what are you talking about and he said well you know and I can't remember how it came up and I remember telling him about a time where I was this is quite oh, I always feel like, should I share this on like live podcast? But I'm going to. I remember a time I was sleeping on my grandma and I was really, really close to my nanny, which is my mum's mum. And I remember I was sleeping on her once and she had her arm around me, so I was sleeping on her chest. And she and she said, my arm's hurting, can you sleep on the pillow? And I remember feeling so upset. Aww, yeah. Like feeling so upset. But my nanny was very weak. She was always in and out of hospital. And you know, she, um, when she passed away, it was really, really hard for me. And I remember her doing that. And I remember bringing it up for some reason in therapy. And I said, yeah, but that didn't affect me. And he said, how old were you when that happened? I said, I don't know, I can't remember, maybe like six, seven. And he was like, so you're 26 now or 25, however I was. And he was like, and you're bringing something up from 20 years ago and you're telling me it's not affecting you. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, you're so right. Mm. Like I, I've, I remember that moment as so crystal clear. I remember feeling rejected in that moment. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that was manifesting itself into my life. So when someone, if I like would hug someone or I would like hold someone and they rejected me, I would feel that emotion. Mm. So now I don't, I'm not really that affectionate with my friends or, you know, I am in a relationship, I would say, but you know, one of my friends, she's really, really affectionate and I'm not, and I always say to her, well, I'm just not affectionate like that. And that helped me actually understand that maybe it's because I've trained myself to think I'm fearful of it. Like but maybe also, are I've you keeping yourself in this yes, space because maybe. you felt that feeling, it yeah. wasn't a nice feeling. And as a yeah. result, you're like, right, okay, if I don't hug people, if I'm not affectionate, exactly. if I'm none of these It will never happen to me. It will never happen. It's so true. But I mean, it's, I don't think that is something that, um, that really affects me. Does, mm. does that make sense? But it's interesting to see how 
that was affecting my relationship at the time because my relationship, if I wasn't affectionate in that, then I really felt it. Yeah. So it's it's really powerful actually to note back the times in your life where you did feel upset and yeah. you did feel an emotion because often you can say, well, that happened years ago and that it didn't mean anything, but it actually does manifest itself into your life. And you know, yeah. one of the as you're speaking to me and you're talking around coping and dealing with these things, it reminds me of when you talk around high functioning anxiety. For people who don't know what that is, what is high functioning anxiety? So high functioning anxiety, and a lot of people relate to this. So many people that I speak to, they're like, you've just, you've just, do you follow me? Do you, do you watch what I'm doing? Do you? So high functioning anxiety is behind the scenes, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling worried, you're feeling stressed. There's, there, there is an anxiety there behind the scenes, but you don't show that, you don't present that. And instead you use your anxiety and the things that you're feeling to then feel or, or to present as being organized, hardworking, mm-hmm. um, and people see you as being successful and they think that you've got it all together because actually you're, you're presenting that. Yeah. So say for example, you're, um, let's think of an example, you're at work and you, someone, your boss has just said, look, we've got this work to do and there's a presentation that to do for next week. This is what we need to do. So in the back of your head, you're like, oh my God, I'm not organized. You feel out of control. You feel like you're not, you don't have everything together. You don't haven't got this, you haven't got this. And you're thinking, what if, what if, what if? No one sees that. So, you know, like the image that I get is like, you know, the duck where it's like oh, it's swimming uh-huh. and we just see it gliding like this. And underneath it's like, it's like paddling away. It's very similar to that where behind the scenes, no one sees what's going on. So people see that you're organized or oh, she'll get it done. She's always got it together. She's like this, but no one sees the real anxiety that you're going through or the things that are happening where you are stressed out, you're overwhelmed, you're not sleeping all night. And a lot of people will say, this is how I present. And I wonder if it's that, again, that disconnection. So okay. behind the scenes, you're feeling these feelings, but you feel and you worry and you um, feel like people aren't going to accept that. People don't understand that. People don't like that. So I'm not going to share that side. So that side is going on behind the scenes. And instead you show a side that you think people are going to accept. And you've learned that. You've learned that through life. So you've learned that through childhood. You've learned this is the way I need to be. And you've disconnected from the the, the feelings that you're actually feeling mm-hmm. because you worry about how then you're going to show up in life. But l- let's talk about that in a work scenario. What's the difference between that and just being stressed and professional? Because if your boss asks you to do something, let's say last minute, which happens a lot of the time, yeah. right? And that is part of life. That is part of work. And he says, okay, look, can you just do this, please? Mm. You are going to be stressed. So you are going to feel nervous. You are going to feel scatty. And you're not going to say to him, sorry, I had dinner with my friend book tonight or I wanted to yeah. watch something. So Emily in Paris is released tonight. So I, I can't do it because I don't want to be stressed out. What's the difference between high functioning anxiety and then being professional and not, you know, I say professional, what people define as professional is not, you know, declaring that you haven't got it together. What's the difference between that? It's a way of being. So with high functioning anxiety, it's a way of being. You're like that all the time. So you're not just like that in situations where there is heightened stress. Okay. So when you're when when something like that does happen, it might just be feel like there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more what ifs. There's a lot more overthinking. But that's the way that you are constantly. So you're out with your friends. It's meant to be a good occasion. It's meant to be a fun occasion. And you're thinking, oh my god, look at that. What's this? What's this? Do I have this? And what am I going to wear? What's this? What? So there's so much going on all the time. Your brain is always stimulated. There's always this 
things that you're overthinking, that you're worrying, you feel like things need to be perfect constantly, you need to feel in control all the time. So it's a way of life. So when we talk about stress, yes, there's always going to be things that come up in life where yeah. we do have bad days, we do feel stressed. But with high functioning anxiety, it's a way of being that you can step out of. Right. But it's about understanding why you present in that way initially to then break down what's gone on and what's happened and why have I learned to be this way in life that I'm functioning, People feel that I'm functioning. People see that I'm successful. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But that's not who I really am. I'm all of these other things that are going on, but I don't want to share these. I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. I feel what are people going to think about me. So I have to keep presenting as being this, being this. So it's a real um, way of being. And it's when you're not really authentic, right? And saying that you're stressed or you've got loads of things going on. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, and struggling to speak out that, look, actually, I, I have these thoughts. Why I'm anxious, why I'm worried because you worry about then how people are gonna perceive you and how people are gonna judge you as a result of that. So if someone was to say that, oh, you don't have it together, like you don't, you, you're struggling, you're like this, you're like this, what's that gonna going to do for you? And when you really step into the high functioning anxiety and making sense of it, you're just like, oh yeah, actually it's not a big deal. It's not like, yeah. but because you're so used and ingrained within you that this is the way that you present, this is the way that you are, this is the way that your brain works, you don't think that there's another way. So when, so I put up a post around high functioning anxiety and the amount of people that responded back to me and said, I relate, I didn't know that other people were like this. I didn't think that this was a, a different, I thought there was something wrong with me and I, I thought that there was something that was going on and I was different. And I was like, this wow. is such a big thing that people are going through and people are experiencing. And it is different to having a diagnosis of anxiety where you aren't able to do day-to-day -day things because you may be having panic attacks, you may be feeling anxious. Whereas with high functioning anxiety, it's like that middle ground that's not really, you can't define it as like, yep, okay, you have a diagnosis, this is what you need, this is what happens. But it's like a very gray area and people stay in this area. Yes, you can end up going down this, but actually there's tools to prevent you from ending up going down feeling or having the diagnosis of um, anxiety as well, where it severely impacts on your day-to-day -day functioning. And what are some of those tools? Self-reflection, journaling. So you've got your performance journal and if in there you just step in and ask yourself, okay, what was something that was difficult today? What was something that was hard today for me? But don't just focus on the negatives. Don't just focus on the, the hard things that have happened. Also focus on the joy, focus on what was something good today? Where was it something that I felt peace? Where was something that I felt happy what what was it that brings me this so you're really setting up your life to do the things that you want to do so if your friends mm -hmm. are going out for for example drinks and you're not feeling it and you'd rather wake up in the morning and go for a hike somewhere yeah do that listen to yourself not worrying oh no but if I don't go there what are they going to think will they want me there next time will they ask me there so there's all these different things to think about I'm sure you've just spiked up my sales in my performance <laughs> planner because I have what what would what would make today great that's what a you mood tracker yeah affirmations gratitude a habit tracker and then what 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 are you proud of and I and I put what are you proud of every single day in the performance yeah. planner because it's self-love every single day you're telling yourself you're proud of something what went well today and what could be better tomorrow yeah. so if you haven't just hiked up my <laughs> myself and <laughs> but you know self-love yeah I've just touched on it now and before we close I think when people are going through a bad day the first person they blame is themselves mm. you know the first thing that comes up is their limiting belief. Yeah. What's one tip that you would give to people if they're having a really bad day and they cannot get out of a rut? So if you are having a really 
difficult day where there's so many things that are going on and on and on and you're feeling like just overwhelmed with it all, step back and also do one thing at a time. Don't start thinking about, oh, I've got this tomorrow and I've got this the next day and I've got this and next week I've got to do this and next year I've got to do this because your brain will start to then feel really overwhelmed and it's like, I'm never going to do anything and you just end up going down the rabbit hole. And it's like, right, how do I prevent myself from going down that rabbit hole? And it's like, just do one thing. Just do mm -hmm. one thing today. Even if that's making sure that you have enough water that day. Even if it's just something that, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm just eating today. Just do one thing for yourself. And then once you've gone to sleep, once you've woken up the next day, it's like, right, your brain might be clearer. And if it's not, again, one thing, one thing. That's what you're doing. Just take one step at a time rather than jumping and thinking, oh, my God, look at what I've got to achieve in life. There's too much there. Because otherwise you're just seeing like a bird's eye view and it's just too much going on. There's too much happening. You're going to feel overwhelmed. So step mm -hmm. back and do one thing for yourself. And what could some of those things be for someone every day? So that's like having just making sure that okay if I need to check my emails do I do that okay. if you're not working and it's like okay do I need to just cook myself um, a good meal tonight yeah. that's all you're doing but you're okay. not putting pressure on yourself thinking I need to do this I need to do this I need to do this because you're very you're, you're sensitive you're vulnerable in that space mm -hmm. everything just feels like it's going bad you're thinking what is the point what is the point but it's also self-care yeah. and it's making sure that if it was your friend and your friend was having a bad day what would you do to your friend how would you speak to your friend would you say yeah you know what your life's crap this is what it is I don't think you should <laughs> carry on yeah look at what you got you wouldn't do that how do you speak to your friend it's also then the relationship coming back to yourself and I think the, the biggest thing that I learned in through my therapy journey is that no matter what happens it's like you're a tree you're grounded and no matter what happens what the weather is you're still grounded you have your roots connected and it's about trusting yourself trusting no matter what happens no matter what the weather is you will be okay and if you trust yourself and know that things will be okay and you can trust that no matter what happens, what the emotions are, what comes up, I will get through this. It's such a powerful way of living because there's always going to be chaos, be snow, rain, sleep, whatever it is, but you know you're rooted, you know what, what life is and that's what you're controlling is what's going on within. You can't control anything else and things will always happen, things will always come up, but it's not having control over, but my plan was to go to A to B. Why has it mm -hmm. gone from A to, to Z? I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. Because you're fighting with life, you're fighting with the experiences and I get that you have a plan. You have, I want to go from A to B. You've connected with that plan. You now have feelings connected to that plan and it feels like this is so exciting. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this and then it's like, bang and you're like I'm not going to have that and then feelings that you're once connected with they've all gone and now you're feeling disappointment sadness frustration why does this always happen to me but it's again the relationship have that you have with yourself and the more you develop that the more that you grow the more that you develop self-compassion the better able you are to manage the chaos that keeps coming around you so true and that's where knowing yourself is the most important because the person you're going to spend the longest with for the rest of your life is going to be you so working on that relationship, diving deeper, uncovering those moments where you're feeling vulnerable and being vulnerable is really powerful in itself. Mm. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming here today. And, Thank you. you know, I feel like we've had a bit of a live therapy session, if I'm completely honest, and we've uncovered a few things. And I hope that for people listening at home, that they've actually uncovered a few things by listening to this. But where can people find you if they want to have a session with you? So I'm on Instagram. I, yeah, Instagram is the main place. Okay. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Everyone, and thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could please press the follow, like, and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me.